0: once i rose above the noise and confusion just to get a glimpse beyond this illusion i was sorry
1: Shake, shake, shake the room. Welcome to another edition of Link to the Cast. I am your party host, Dave Ryan, joined as I am always by the RPG of Underkind, Brian McNamara. Brian, how are you?
0: I'm good, Dave. I'm good.
1: But, Brian, this isn't just any normal edition of Link to the Cast. This is, in many ways, our season finale, our year end show. A year end show that is being recorded on the 3rd of January. That is how punctual we are um so for that the kind of the year-end festivities to talk about our game of the year awards we do not have mark robinson who is currently stuck up a mountain somewhere in um the asian continent Uh, we have brought in a man who i recently described as the roman reigns of the podcast and i must come up with a a better nickname unless he really enjoys that particular nickname Uh, it's jack lazel jack how are you yeah, I'm alright. Does that
2: mean everyone likes me and then they hate me and then they like me and they just can't decide what 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 it is about me?
0: At I, this I think point. it means you've magnificent hair, Jack. That's yeah. what I said
2: when he introduced yeah. me last time. I had to go with something else this time, like,
1: like magnificent hair and, a, and a, an awesome like SWAT vest that you just wear all the time.
2: Y- yes, if I walked around in that, people would look. But if I walked around in that in Edmonton, people would understand.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so the, the the end of the year is here. How? Uh, How have uh, your respective Christmases been, guys? Um, I've had a nice, quiet one. Went back, uh, stayed with the family uh, in the next town over for the Christmas. Uh, Got very little in terms of uh, actual games played done. I brought my 3DS with me uh, under the assumption I'd get some quality time in with Professor Layton versus Phoenix Wright. Uh, but as so often happens, you know, the little cousins come over and you've got to hide the 3DS because otherwise they'll play it. And even though they haven't actually been eating anything chocolatey, somehow chocolate will end up all over the 3DS. Um, So I've had to hide that. How how were your Christmases? Uh, Brian, how was yours?
0: Well, I forgot my 2DS. So apart from being in work, I struggled quite a bit with emulators and trying to make ROM G-Codes work on the ROMs so I could have all the starting Pokemon. <laughs> Let me tell you. It's not a fun time. Three hours Christmas morning trying to get to work. <laughs> and, to
1: and, and you're. It's not like you could have then distracted yourself with the bright lights of your surroundings uh, for Christmas. Uh, am I correct? You're not from uh, a bustling metropolis.
0: And I'm from the sphincter of Kildare.
1: Yeah. Um, the the
0: the. <laughs> no, Jack. Wait. Let me let me let me just put this guy. <laughs> you back. Geographically, I'm from the county of Kildare. Geographically, the shape of it is literally it tapers in kind of like an inverted triangle. To a point at the bottom and the town I am from, the village I'm from, is at the very, very, very apex of that point.
1: It is the asshole of nowhere's asshole of nowhere.
2: <laughs> okay. If this were right on the edge today, would it not be the hemorrhoid of Kildare?
1: It m- <laughs> it might feel like that sometimes. I'm not I'm not an expert, although some of my family are from there. Um I was once house sitting down there and uh
0: even I wouldn't come visit
1: you. Oh, yeah. I've Even though you're from there, yeah. Like, I remember it being quite literally a one-horse town. It was... Um, so, like, uh, you being trapped out there with no 3DS and dodgy ROM hacks, uh, you, you have my eternal sympathy, Brian. But a good Christmas Netflix other than that. Work. The internet was so bad. <laughs> Tiny uh,
0: Tim couldn't walk, man.
1: <laughs> it was a good Christmas other than that, though, was it? Did you get... Did, did Santa come? Did you get nice things? I did,
0: yeah. Good time. Good, good, I sounds. had a lot of food. That was the important part. Well,
1: I think that's the main goal of Christmas, isn't it?
0: Oh, me? Yeah. Jesus <laughs> <he tells. laughs> I thought this that was rhetorical. Is, this
1: is already going swimmingly. <laughs> <laughs> Where, <laughs> uh, in case you couldn't tell, we don't have the normal kind of uh, banter back and forth here because Brian actually isn't recording in the room with me. Because, as I'm going to throw over to Jack now, because he had to... Um, subject himself to the entire i think it was 45 minutes by the end uh jack we had some audio issues starting the show did we not
2: uh yeah but as a chelsea fan i've been many disappointing 45 minute periods of oh, shit so no worries about that
1: quality not one today though you're back on track 3-0 was it yeah it was
2: yeah you know it's a glimmer it's nothing not bad more that. nothing more than that <laughs>
1: Um, so yeah what was your experience of the audio issues from your side just sitting there trying to keep busy as i got increasingly frustrated with technology over here uh i was
2: just um watching nfl red zone and trying to be sarcastic and seem like i've really genuinely invested in what your issues were but to be honest i was kind of lied down and (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: well i'll tell you your your lack of interest certainly helped get me through things and uh i it it may only be because of you that I didn't throw my PC out the window, uh, as I went to uh, somehow create a situation where I could hear both of you, and not hear an echo and not have your voice boom out of a television at me. Um, and the compromise we settled on was to kick Brian out of the room and send him off to his room, uh, to call in via <laughs> via Skype. Um, it's been but, uh, sent to his room. How was your no Christmas, check? That. How was your Christmas, Jack?
2: Uh, my Christmas was good. It's all family kind of stuff. In Terms of like video game playing. Uh, I didn't actually get any video games for Christmas this year, which is somewhat of a rarity, I think, for me. Although I got a couple last year, and you know I still haven't opened the um, Pokemon uh, Ruby remake that I got. Uh, that's just kind of sitting there in the wrapper. <laughs> so maybe I should have played that. But what I did end up playing over the last couple of days due to a conversation with a girl i'm now dating is roller coaster tycoon 3 which i go back to (laughs) like year and a half to two years i love that game i absolutely unconditionally love it
1: i've never really liked the roller coaster tycoon and the kind of the team hospital and sim city stuff is a kind of genre of game that has always completely evaded me i've never really gotten into any of them i think the closest like um that's why you're wrong, David. <laughs> but you see, that's the thing. You see, you, Brian, in particular, you grew up a PC gamer before. Like, you didn't get, was it 20, you were 20 or 21 before you got 20. your first console? Yeah. Yeah, so, like, you come from that kind of thing, whereas, like, I had console games growing up, so, like, I was never, like, when I went to them, it was all just kind of, I don't know. And I was never into The Sims either. Um, it just, I don't know, just never really appealed to me. The closest I got was where I would, there was one City game, I can't remember whether it was SimCity 2000 or what, that I would play down at my cousin's house in Cork. And um, I would go through all the lengths of like building up this city, uh, making it look really pretty, and then I would. Did you uh, build it
2: on rock and roll?
1: I I may have unconfirmed reports that it may have been built on rock and roll, Sick. and uh, then I would uh, cause a series of natural disasters and see what happened uh, because I was uh, a malevolent deity.
2: Everyone did that though. That was like um you know like you built a house in The Sims, you built a swimming pool and then you took the ladders away and <laughs> just never watched. did that shit your sims swim around and eventually come have to you, an untimely end
1: have you seen that uh, it was a popular clickbait there on facebook a few months ago of the the reddit thread about the worst things people ever did to sims yeah.
2: <laughs> no and well, it was about
1: well, like you know where one guy would like wall a sim in behind a bookcase for a number of years <laughs> and stuff like that And yeah like take the ladder away from the pool And just leave them in there and stuff like that Or like yeah, yeah. lock somebody in a room with no doors No windows and no toilets and stuff like that
2: This bookcase guy Was was his name Mr. J Fritzel And was he from somewhere <laughs> in Western Europe <laughs>
1: That was his real training ground
2: Yeah you know like how Serial killers like start off On small animals and then work their way up To people that was it Fritzel was on The Sims <laughs> awkward silence so just, you can just so
0: see sec- him now on the dark now. I need a cheat code for Sims so I can um,
1: have it. no I'm not even going to finish that sentence uh, <laughs> no I just um, I, I just got a, a pop up chat window there on Facebook which reminded me uh, should we or should we not take this time now to bury one Mark Robinson for no showing the, uh, the year end spectacular of the podcast he helped start with me uh, very much kind of uh, leaving, uh, leaving the uh, kind of the responsibility in my hands as he uh, climbs mountains all over China.
0: Well, look, if he wants to, you know, blow us off to go hang out in nature, he can be a fanny, like you know, like his lifestyle choices are up to him.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'd just like to add that he makes me sick in my mouth.
0: <laughs> no, Jack, don't hold back. Tell us how you really feel.
1: I tried to lure Jack uh, to this show um, by telling him we'll spend the first 15 minutes, I think I said, or the first 10 minutes or so, burying Mark, to which uh, which, uh, Jack pointed out that he's been burying Mark for about 15 years now at this point.
2: Yeah. If you don't bury Mark, he just gets a bit too big for his britches. (laughs) Starts thinking a lot of himself. His ego gets as big as his hair. Oh, yeah. Have you seen his haircut? Oh, my God. Uncontrollable. (laughs) pretty sure that there's a small nesting animal in there somewhere.
1: I tried to get him. He's literally just replied to me there saying that he's in a hostel at the moment. And I was like, do you want to call in for a minute? Because we're burying you at the moment. Um, And he's not able to, which is a shame. In a hostel. Uh, Excuses, excuses. I know. Going up here. He's found a new Irish person as well, which I've taken as a personal slight. You guys are everywhere, though. Like, you don't even realize
2: every place I've ever been in my life, I've met someone Irish. It's just, it's unbelievable. It's uh, such a small country, and you guys spread out like wildfire.
1: It's even worse when you actually are Irish because you go somewhere in the world and someone knows you or your family. <laughs> um, I've literally had, like, I was, uh, when I was a teenager, I was on holiday with my grandparents, and we were on the, the Costa del Sol in the south of Spain, walking down the promenade there um, one of the days on the way to a restaurant for lunch or dinner or something like that. Uh, walking beside my granddad, and all of a sudden you'd like hear like distantly, like tens of yards away. You just hear, "Ah, Jesus, Ollie, how are you?" Turn around, <laughs> and it's someone who happened to know my grandfather from about thirty, thirty-five years ago,
2: and still recognized him. Impressive. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I can't remember, just... recognize someone I met thirty minutes ago. So <laughs> it might be a serious degenerative brain disorder, but I haven't dealt with it yet.
1: Um. Oh, uh, uh, as if I wasn't taken it as a personal slight already, Mark has updated me to let me know he's sleeping beside this replacement Irishman that he's found. Really? Well, I never. never I see. You that, I never.
2: You guys are never going to be cuddle buddies again. Or if you are, <laughs> you'll just be wondering if he was cuddlier. <laughs>
1: um, I'm trying to think, like, did I do anything over the Christmas? Well, we did have our... Um, we have, Jack, in this house, uh, a little tradition that was... Uh, it was the second year running that we've done it. So now it's officially a tradition that we've done it twice. <laughs> sure. <laughs> it I, I was can do it. it. was a bit of a pathetic tradition when we'd only done it once. We do this thing, Jack, called practice Christmas.
2: Okay. Because
1: uh, on about the 21st to the 23rd, all of us start to go home to our respective family homes mm-hmm. for Christmas, lock up the house here, leave the cat on his own. And um, uh, so what we started doing last year was we said, right, I'll go ahead and I'll cook a Christmas dinner before we all go so that we can all kind of enjoy things. Now last year, because I'd never cooked a full kind of roast dinner for multiple multiple people before, I um I think, Brian, would it be fair to say that I overshot our targets in terms of how much food I thought we would eat?
0: Well, Dave, I mean I I thought it was a bit ambitious to think we could have eaten all that food. Oh.
1: <laughs> Oy. By the
0: end of it, by the end of it we needed to call all the ambulances. Oh,
1: I bought, I think, five kilos of ham for five people. Five
2: kilos of ham. Yeah. And that's the one meat that usually gets left over anyway. Like, yeah. you have a little bit with your Christmas dinner, and then you forget it's there, and it's like January the 2nd, and you're hungry, and you're like, fuck, I've got half a gammon in the fridge. Yeah. What am I going to do with this? That's a wee had, had an... why
0: you still got a queen, because that's not what happens around my house. <laughs> <laughs>
1: We, um, I think, we still, we made a good effort at the ham. We tried, but there was still about two-thirds of it left, I think, by the end of uh, practice Christmas last year. So I kind of reeled in a little. I got us uh, three kilos this year. There was still a bit left over, but it was uh, much more, a much more conservative amount remaining at the end. Um, and
0: instead you got, what was it, 22 Yorkshire puddings? Yes.
1: Okay, look, I, I may have miscalculated on the Yorkshire puddings and made 22 Yorkshire puddings for five people. Uh, but it was kind of like I was distracted and just emptied the whole bag onto the tray. That's only four
2: and a half Yorkshire puddings per person, though, so that's not too bad.
1: I know, and I I tried to keep up my end, but we had a fucking load of them at the end, I think, uh, left over. And then with, uh, and like, you couldn't have timed it better. better. With about two minutes left to go cooking the Yorkshire puddings, our oven blew up. (laughs) Again? Yeah, literally sparks flew out the back of it and all the fuses in the house tripped.
2: Um, Oh,
1: yeah. Uh, so we had to go, uh, we we got a man out who told us that apparently, and blamed us for it, Brian, I don't know if you got that full story, but we, we were blamed for it, that apparently the cable between the wall and the oven had become exposed and was reacting with the metal, hence the boom. Um, yeah. That's how they discovered penicillin, wasn't it? <laughs> I believe that's exactly how. Oh, uh, that's how they made Michael Jackson. But you know, that, that kind of stuff always <laughs> happens with ovens that you've had for about two months. Um <laughs> Yeah, two months. I hope you took it back. Um, it, it, it would be the second time because this happened before, and we did replace it. Um, but now he's come out, and he, he your man came out, and he insulated the the cable, so we should be all right. Hopefully, That's
2: minimum minimum you'd expect. Yeah, an insulated it, cable.
1: Um, but anyway, um, I suppose unless there is um, any other business, should we just maybe uh, start by cracking on to these awards? Should we? Do you, do yeah, you guys sure. yeah so um we're kind of gonna uh do things very ad hoc here i normally have a nice uh, at least reasonably detailed agenda about what we're gonna do and how we're gonna do it and everybody can see it but this year um because it's the first it. uh, because it's the first time we've done the awards i don't really know what to do so what i was gonna say was aping some other podcasts that i'm a fan of um What we'll do is we'll discuss the nominees and between us, we'll arrive at a consensus for who wins. Now, I'm not going to do, because we could be here for hours if we try to get them in an ordered list or to try to come up with runners-up. But I think what we'll do is we'll talk through each nominee and then we'll start trying to agree to start striking them off until we're down to one in each category. Uh, Does that sound reasonable to you, gentlemen? Yes um throughout this process i will say if you feel like you want to throw in a last minute contender in each one fire away um but otherwise we'll we'll just uh we'll proceed uh with what's written here on my little google docs now there will be one particular award for which we'll have to get brian to leave the room because uh i've already left the room for fear of spoilers um (laughs)
0: leave the house is that it is that what you want david
1: <laughs> that is what i want brian that's what i've always wanted you you to podcast out from the shed do you guys want to talk this out like it's all good <laughs> it's turning into couples therapy here yeah. um so How does that
2: make you feel
1: <laughs> i was in the dark sipping a brandy glass where were you tonight um <laughs> Right, um so I think what we'll go is we'll we'll obviously end with our game of the year award, but we'll we'll start off right at the bottom here. And the bottom is where this particular award belongs, if you ask me. Um this is the Konami Corner Award for Ineptitude in Video Games. A very prestigious award named after um
0: a company that we're allowed to shit on because we don't have contract <laughs> with them.
1: Yeah, like a, a an award named for a segment on the show that is responsible for much rage and ageing um, on myself throughout this year of podcasting. But um, from the bottom, we'll go the contenders for the, the inaugural uh, Konami Corner Award for an in video games. We've got Rory McElroy's Terrible Golf Game, The Order 1886, PlayStation Now, Konami in general, Honey Talk 5... And Arkham Knight on PC. So, um I suppose we'll we'll go through these one by one. Um let's talk about Rory McElroy. The first time, Jack, that you appeared on the show, this was your I Have Played This Week um game, Rory McElroy's PJ Tour. Um if you could uh explain to us just how bad or how disappointing or how inept this game is.
2: Yeah, um Normally, when you buy a golf game, you expect there to be, like, uh, courses on it, um, and that there, there was about six or seven courses, which, when you have a career mode that requires you to play through about twenty twenty one 21 tournaments, you just do the same seven courses over and over again. Uh, the gameplay was okay. There was about 12 lines of commentary um, which pretty much just went over and over again. You ever see that episode of The Simpsons where um, where Bart wants to play Bloodstorm, but he gets, like, the guy... I can't remember, is it Lee Trevino's master or something? And you just... Oh, uh, Lee, really... uh,
1: Lee Carvello's Pudding Challenge.
2: Yeah. It's essentially <laughs> that... <laughs> it's essentially that, in terms of the commentary, just repeating the same absolute nonsense over and over again. Yeah. Uh, you... essentially if you wanted to make your own character you could choose from like seven generic uh looks you you could make a white dude a black dude but he looked the same as the white dude um (laughs) but black that's Um, that's almost worse that's it's 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 crazy (laughs) worse like you wouldn't even believe it uh and you could choose uh, it just there was no customization the problem was it just felt like a tech demo of a game that could be really, really good because you could see in the gameplay that there was something good going on, but they just released it in such an unfinished, unvarnished bullshit type thing, and then they were going to charge people for courses, but there was so much vitriol and rage about how bad the game was at the end. They just started giving courses for away, f- away for free at the end of months, and it got to the point where there was hardly anyone left on the game anyway. The online mode had taken away loads of, like, You couldn't play any of the, um, like, wacky versions of golf, like the stable foot or anything. They'd just taken everything out of it. It was just abysmal. It really was. And the thing is, they, they skipped a year as well. So they could come out with this revolutionary take on the on the thing because that you know a tiger's gone down the pan. So they thought, right, well, we're going to back Rory, he's our horse, and we're going to take two years out and we're going to make this game. And it was it was it was terrible. It was really embarrassing, really disappointing. As a I would say the sports game um, correspondent on this podcast, as I'm now appointing myself, I was insanely <laughs> disappointed.
1: Um, yeah, that sounds like a real kind of, um, one of the parallels I would draw with that in terms of something you expect, maybe we'll take two years out and try and improve it is what happens with the WWE games that 2K are doing at the moment. Um, and they kind of, they released this last year's one was particularly bad in as much as like the gameplay was bad. They're still working off the, the engine that they've been using since the THQ days, um, for that game and instead of like taking two years out they just wanted to rush to market get one out on PS4 that was WWE 2K15 last year uh, not only was it really bad because of that engine stuff but on top of that like uh, because it was their first one on what are now the current gen consoles it had fuck all features because they were just pairing it back to the simplest stuff that they could port over so in terms of like the creation suite which people really like um, being able to create like crazy looking wrestlers or anything like that there was very few different kind of options for that um. on top of that, they had gotten rid of, like, the create a championship or create a storyline mode, all that sort of stuff. And even the match types were really, really restrictive last year. And then this year, they kind of, like, rather than fix the engine, rather than, like, you said, take two years out and really kind of rebuild the game and make something actually special, what they did was they just went okay, let's just make the selling point that the game hasn't really changed at all, but we've added a couple more annoying mini games, and now we've just added way more wrestlers, so it's the biggest roster ever, which is like, the if you saw any of the promo material for it, it was like, don't worry guys, biggest roster ever, it's going to be great. Um, And it was just really like, in terms of gameplay, I suppose it's like a marginal improvement on last year, Um, but like that kind of, when you were talking about Rory McIlroy there, that's what really um, kind of made me think of. Yeah, so that is kind of. There like... are
2: two. There are two good quotes from IGN um, that that I've that I've found in since just going back in to see if there was anything that I missed. Uh, one of them is that if Rory, if a, a career in golf was this unrewarding as it is playing Rory McIlroy PGA Tour, he'd probably settle for a Masters in accounting rather than the Masters at Augusta. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good that, as well. That's oh, that. and and they they, they conclude with. EA has managed to create a golf game with plenty of holes in it, just not the kind that fans will relish.
1: Oh, oh, someone that paid. He's a sick burn. Yeah, Paige, Paige the burn unit, admit one. Wow. Um, so yeah, there's that. There's one I've added here at the last minute now that I want to talk about for a second because
2: WWE two K sixteen.
1: I was gonna put that in, but not quite because it is at least a marginal improvement on last year. Um, if not a total improvement like is needed but I want to talk about Star Wars Battlefront for a second guys
2: ooh controversial
1: Um, and it's something I've said and a lot of people have said because um, if you're a gamer uh, because they're, they're kind of like there's a lot of people who are gamers, there's a lot more people who are kind of lap Star Wars fans who will have seen Battlefront come out and wonder if they're not kind of, they don't keep their uh, their ears to the ground, should they get Star Wars Battlefront? I've been asked multiple times, whether in college or just the people I'm talking to. By me. Uh, by you. And the thing I've told Brian and other people is that if you only have enough time to play Star Wars Battlefront for about an hour each sitting, it is one of the best games you'll ever play. However, if you play it for any more than about an hour and a half or 2 hours, the cracks appear to show or uh, appear uh, start to appear, should I say. Um, it has the depth of a teaspoon, that game. Um, there are not a lot of modes, uh and even within those modes, there are very few different maps for those modes. Like for instance, last night uh, a friend of the show Keith Brony came down, Keith Boom Boom Brony. Uh he was here and we threw on Battlefront, he's a big Star Wars fan, and we started playing away for a while, and he was like, I can't understand why people are you know giving out about this game. Sure enough, about 90 minutes later, he was starting to get really bored of it. Um it uh, does look spectacularly satisfying in the commercials like
2: you can see yeah. like all the characters you love, you can use lightsabers, you can be stormtroop,
1: like all the mm-hmm. dark side, it just it looks it, fun. It looks fantastic. It sounds fantastic. Uh, for the first hour or so, depending on the mode you pick, because there are some modes. As Brian, who sat in here one night, we played through all the tutorials. Knows not every mode is fantastic. Uh, for every kind of uh, hero battle mode where you get to play as like Luke Skywalker or Vader, there's also really tedious um, like protection missions where you have to guide um, a walker through a war zone and make sure it doesn't get that taken was down.
0: Just pointless. It was walk from A to B. Like that, the speeders look like, there was only one of those missions that was anyway good, and the X Wing. Yeah. yeah. There was the X Wings but you
1: see you lost your patience before we got to the actual like the the Walker assault mode or the um We
0: did the walker assault mode. You died no, it wasn't... early on. No no no, like...
1: no that wasn't the proper walker assault mode. Like this uh the walker assault mode is like a big open death match where like that little mini game where you take down the walker is just part of it.
2: Can I ask a question? Is yes. Walker Assault Mode a new TV show starring Chuck Norris?
1: It should oh, be. Yeah. <laughs> um, it kind can of, you do
2: pod racing in it? This is a question I you want to ask.
1: You can do speeder racing. There's no pod racing. At least not yet.
2: Do, do you have the um, N64 uh, pod racing game? Because that was, I, I was don't.
1: fun as Awful. hell. Oh, I loved that game. It was so much fun. You see, you're not you, you. don't look back because because you weren't there. You weren't there, man, Brian. I
0: you, played. I played N64 pod racing,
1: but you weren't. You know what I mean. You weren't. Uh, wasn't my N- console. Yeah, host, exactly. Yeah, you console. weren't an N64 kid, but yeah, I I think Pod Ra- like that was one of the better Star Wars games. It wasn't a high barge clear for a lot of people. Um, one of the better Star Wars games that had been released to this point. Like this game is a lot of fun and like. I'm not going to lie, yesterday when I was playing uh, against Brony, uh, <laughs> being able to chase after him as Vader and literally throw a lightsaber at his face or <laughs> or being able to, as he's trying to shoot, as he's trying to aim as, I think he was Leia, as he's trying to aim at with his blaster, being able to force choke him <laughs> um, and just being able to, there was like one point and I really, I wish to God, because apparently from Brony, where Brony was looking, it was amazing. He was up on a hill, it was on a Hoth. And he was up on a hill uh, with Leia and about kind of four of the Rebel Alliance guys were around him. And all of a sudden, I floated up high over them and laid waste to them with uh, my lightsaber. And apparently it looked at me like they were just, they didn't know where I was. And all of a sudden, I just flew overhead uh, and started going medieval on them. So it's a good time for a while, but my problem with it is like the depth. Um, which there is none of because there's no single player mode either Uh, there's no like campaign to it it's all kind of um, there are like missions big wacky air quotes missions you can do in single player but they're really kind of just like versions of the online multiplayer that you're just playing against the AI like there's no storyline per se Um, and then the other thing is that on top of that like if you want even more maps to come out later there is the season pass which was $50 um, which it's one thing if you do a $50 season pass and there's a lot of stuff in it and there was already a lot of stuff in the game but when your game is fairly bare bones to begin with uh, it makes you think that perhaps deliberately stuff was cut out of the game and left for the DLC so that they could get an extra $50 for it um. yeah that always really falls flat with me then there's um, that they didn't leap on the opportunity to include some cool stuff from episode 7 if they wanted to as DLC because that would get people to jump on it like if you were gonna like they released the battle of Jakku when the film came out which is uh, an event like a battle that bridges episode 6 and 7 but there's no like you know can you imagine like if they had a nice ad campaign saying right now you can play as Kylo Ren Uh, in the hero battles or something like that, or you can play as um, Poe Dameron in the X-Wings, or you can play as uh, Ray or Finn, anything like that. Um, Surely that's coming though, right? Nope, they've come out and said that there's no Episode Seven content coming whatsoever. Uh, Not only that, but uh, I suppose, like, for the most part, it's awesome that they have completely ignored the prequel trilogy for Star Wars Battlefront, but there's a little part of me that really wants to go crazy as Darth Maul with the lightsaber lance... And yeah. and and go crazy because like he is to me the best part of that prequel trilogy. Um
2: I think all look- the characters in the prequel trilogy, uh, with the exception of Jar Jar, were pretty cool. I just think they were really lousy written films.
1: Yeah, I think we I think we said Brian as we were because I recently rewatched uh, all six of them uh, before episode seven came out, and I think I said that like some of the characters like Count Dooku and a couple of others. Like, imagine having Christopher Lee in your Star Wars film and wasting him like that. Um, and I go, over, but this 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 could lead on to an entirely different. Uh, yeah, like having
2: Christoph Waltz in a Bond film and wasting him. <laughs>
1: oh, shots fired!
0: I will <laughs> just make the point though in relation to the Battlefield. I guess they had it right in the prequel stuff. I mean, it would have been at least ha- interesting to have maybe throw in the droid army, so you could have a third side. So it's not always rebels and stormtroopers.
1: That is true. Yeah, the fact that it is like it, it's only Galactic <laughs> Empire and Rebel Alliance. Uh, Does that, that mean we can about. have
2: a quick time event where we do trade <laughs> negotiations in a room? <laughs>
1: <laughs> three hours of press x to continue star wars politics simulator coming soon
2: <laughs> press x to legitimize gambling and off <laughs> <laughs>
1: um so that's that's star wars battlefront now moving on to and i think uh just saying this uh, i'll send brian off on a tear for about five minutes on this one brian tell me about why on this list for ineptitude in video games we have included the order 1886
0: because i had hope (laughs) i had hope it looked amazing it looked fucking amazing and then they just shat off uh
1: talk to us about your experience of playing the order 1886 which i will remind everybody before they listen to this was a full-priced game
0: (laughs) it was i'll put it like this if you can imagine say a Treyarch Call of Duty game that's even shorter than that with less depth, but yet looking like the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. Yeah. I, it was just like it started off, it was like at the start where you're all chained up and it's. You know, and you're kind of escaping and shit like it. It's like, okay, what's going on here? What's the story? I'm interested. I'm intrigued. Wow, this looks amazing. Look, look at all the hairs in his mustache. You can, I can see the individual hairs in his badass mustache. <laughs> and then it becomes the dullest, most dreary, laziest, moderately cover-based shooter where you're not even really trying that hard on the cover-based. Um, and it's literally just walk down this corridor in a skyboxed room and Shoot the, the drones as they come at you. And oh, wait, here's some werewolves. Have some really fucking tediously annoying quick time events for a bit, and uh, then continue on. Oh, wait, oh my god, there's vampires! No, 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 that's there's, there's no vampires. No, no, so walk out of that room now. We're done with the vampires.
1: It's it seems like the order is this kind of game where it always felt like that there's a much better game hidden somewhere, you no, know what I mean?
0: It's it's like it's like the, these guys. These people walked in and said, this is our idea. Here are our mates in the CGI, in the mo- mocap team. They they have some really great ideas. We've got tons of money for this. We want to make this game here. And we have this cool kind of supernatural story about this cool secret society and Knights of the Round Table and potentially supernatural threats and that. And then, you know, that random suited figure with just a big EA symbol for a head, or the equivalent for whatever shitty game company you want to talk about, just said, yeah, no, that's it. But make it more like call of duty.
1: Yeah. It's, um, I think like if you look in isolation at like the lore and the story that's trying to be told there, there was potential there. You know, there's, yeah, but there there is, but what I'm saying is that's kind of to forgive you for when you saw like the promotional material and the ads and stuff. There is reason, there is reason for you to have been excited before this game came out because there is a lot of, there is a lot of potential. Uh, Like, I think one of the things we said um, was, wow, it could be like an Assassin's Creed thing where the first game is pretty bleak and terrible, but the second game will surely be a vast improvement if there is one. At this point, it doesn't look like there's gonna be, but um, like kind of, I don't know. It it's a shame. It's a why it's on this list is not only because of, like it's so egregiously short, among other things. Like the game is about six or seven hours long. Yes. Uh, for like a full price game, and well, um, no, you
0: just the, the end product was so far away from that potential that you can even see as you're playing it, if you're looking for it. You know, it was so fucking far away, and I mean, to be honest with you, Dave. I don't think they deserve a sequel because if you can make a game that involves rappelling down the side of a zeppelin over old-timey London town to take out some bad dudes, and you make that tedious, boring, and shit, <laughs> I'm sorry, you don't deserve to be in video games, friend. <laughs> yeah, but, oh, that's a great point.
1: Uh, yeah, it doesn't look like, uh, based on all the kind of the the word coming out of Sony, that they are going to be greenlit for a sequel. Um. even though they were there was very much in the, the lead up to that game there was very much the hope that it would become a new first party franchise for Sony well they have all the material there to make a first
0: party franchise yeah. out of that if they fucking let us. and that fucking four stealth level fuck that shit
1: yeah you're a man who doesn't like his four stealth at the best of times uh, in, How many in times games that do I work that? Uh, <laughs> quite a few is this the first
2: thing that they've like uh, try to hype since the resistance uh, series
1: of games um,
2: at Sony have they had anything since well then?
1: I will tell you they had one this year that we're going to talk about a lot where they didn 't even try to hype it and it came out and it 's like they figured out after the fact that it was very good and now they want to make it a permanent franchise and that 's until dawn which we're going to talk about because it will be coming up uh, later on. But yeah, that looks like it's going to be the new surprise sleeper hit for the first party because uh, financially, like it did quite well. And yeah, on top of that, like
0: played, that's not a franchise game,
1: but well, no, like it, it could be as an anthology, but like, we'll talk about that. Uh, as it comes up because you know like, like horror films are become franchises in and of themselves but anyway yeah and
0: that's always and, a bad idea Dave. yeah
1: I, I know but like look we'll get to that like until dawn look, 2
0: it's just going to be the same game again
1: look we'll cross that bridge when we come to it because it is coming up in one of the, the categories I don't want to kind of uh, get off the order 886 for too long but uh, the order yeah like a, a brutally short game but the game was so bad that you're almost thankful for the fact it's short which is not something you should ever say Especially when you forked out like 70 seventy euro for the game and gone down deliberately to pick it up on launch day, like we did, like a pair of fucking chumps. Um, so, yeah, that that's the order We'll put in that for now. Uh, PlayStation Now, I wanted to talk about. I'm, I, I doubt because I'm not. Uh, you're not a participant in this service, Jack, are you? Uh, no,
2: I'm very much PlayStation. Maybe later.
1: <laughs> and you're not either, Brian, are you? No, I've no real
0: interest in the games that are upon us.
1: Yeah, so PlayStation Now is a service that is one of these things that Sony keep trying to make happen. And this year, it uh, really has come a cropper because it doesn't look like it's had that much of an attach rate and not a lot of people are getting involved in it. It's pretty much just populated. It's a service populated pretty much exclusively, as far as I know, by PS3 games. Um, the PS3, which was famous for not being the favoured console of most people last generation. Um on top of that you've got the fact that because it's cloud based so it's a service where you pay I think 30 euro a month I want to say don't quote me on that Um, to get access to this whole kind of uh, library of games but because all the information is stored on the cloud and you're playing you're basically playing a stream from the cloud um, it is a kind of service that is very unsuited to people with uh, anything less than a really good internet connection and on top of that even with a good internet connection for some people who prefer kind of like Twitch shooters, real kind of reaction-based stuff, there can be a really, really slight, barely noticeable delay in things which would uh, wreck things in a Twitch shooter or games uh, of that ilk. Um, And the reason I put it on this list was not only because it has been the model uh, hasn't worked out that great for them, but on top of that, they got uh, st- sort of uh, blindsided at E3 when... um. Microsoft announced that backwards compatibility is now available on Xbox One uh, with a, a list of games, I think 100 games from the first day now, not a lot of them were fantastic hmm. but um, like promises to expand a lot of games into that including the Bioshock series and a few others.
0: That was my yeah. laugh of derision by the way.
1: Yeah, like on day one I think the only real heavy hitters that were announced uh, were Mass Effect and um, Gears of War. Yeah Um. But still, it's like, it, you know, it's micros. It's the competition offering pretty much the same service for free. Uh, once you already have the game, you can just put in the disc and you've got it downloaded then, a nice kind of cleaned up copy that works on your Xbox One, uh, which is a fantastic idea. So, like, that's that's why PlayStation Now is on there. Uh, have you guys got anything to throw in there on PlayStation Now? Any kind of impressions about the service? Brian? Oh. <laughs>
0: No, not particularly. Okay. I mean, like, like I said, it's it's not a thing that holds much attraction for me. Like, looking at the list game, what was that, that Mark of Cree game or something like that? It was like, I don't even remember that being a big game last time around when it was new. Like, um, I don't know, I feel kind of like when I when you were on your PlayStation 3 and I was on my 360, that you were definitely winning the whole three-monthly games thing.
1: Uh, yeah, and I would still say that's the case because now I have both xbox one and ps4 and i can't really think of a quality uh free game i've got on games with gold on xbox one yet
0: see i i started to get some pretty decent ones like i mean the the bioshocks were up there uh, at some point or other i think and uh, i think deadpool came up at one point point. After I bought the physical copy of it, um mm-hmm. when it was st- when I was still on three sixty. But I mean, you know, turn and turn about like uh that Xbox have you know, turn and actually gotten one, like yeah, for them a little bit. Um but more so from PlayStation making them out with balls of it. I don't think like, are there that many games, if you try and think about it, are there that many games in that back catalog that you really fucking want?
1: Uh, Not ones that haven't already been released as HD collections or exactly. um, then there's also ones that probably will end up being released uh, as HD collections uh, or ones I can get on competing platforms uh, for free with my backwards compatibility on Xbox One. um. Moving on then, uh, the, the, I think the, the one we've talked about most, so I don't need to really go into too much depth on it, uh, Konami in general. Um, I don't think anyone who mm-hmm. listens to the show on an even semi-regular basis will be any stranger to uh, our impressions on how Konami have handled themselves in um, this whole Metal Gear Solid business and the kind of, the attempting to Leon Trotsky, uh, Hideo Kojima out of existence. Um, and now, you know, turnabouts fair play kojima has popped up uh, with his new kojima productions and working in tandem with sony to make his first game which i'm very excited by yeah it's the uh, order
2: 1887 that's what he's making
1: <laughs> do you know what i would love to see hideo kojima's take on the order i would i i would put down a pre-order on that right now <laughs> because whatever he do, whatever he does next is going to be spectacular and it's going to be insane and I, I i can't wait for it do so you right. forever too <laughs> Duke Nukem Forever yeah um, we also the foreverest uh, but uh, a thing we haven't <laughs> kind of added on to like we have the the whole kind of them pushing their way out of video games and pushing uh, Kojima out of the co- the company and focusing on their mobile and pachinko machines uh, but the thing we also haven't talked about is how um, the kind of what they've done to both now can, Konami, at the same time as we've been given out about them, have been responsible for publishing two of the better games this year. Um, and that would be Metal Gear Solid 5 obviously, which we'll talk more about later, and Pro Evolution Soccer 2016, which was an a, like a real return to form for that series. And um, one of the, the hideous things Konami have done in the aftermath of releasing those games is to, over the couple of months post-release, make both games slightly worse. So, you've got all the kind of the having to go through about three or four minutes of warning and info screens to log into Metal Gear Solid. (laughs) Yeah. You've got um, the whole forward operating base issue um, where you have these forward operating bases that you can start in Metal Gear Solid that will help you do kind of different missions and collect resources um, but because it's linked to the kind of online mode, you can be attacked and lose lots of money and lose resources and lose, inf- uh, like, staff and stuff like that. Um, and then Konami decided, oh, let's fix that by adding the very pernicious strategy of selling, uh, through microtransactions, insurance for your forward operating bases, um, which is just an incredibly scummy thing to do. And then you've got all the, like, um, because, um... It is a game that constantly tries to log on and stay online and stuff like that. It can take fucking ages to use your um your iDroid on the game. And different things like that that have just kind of made the game that have just slightly soured people on the game post release. And then with Pro Evolution Soccer, the fact that you release um a game within a week of FIFA sixteen and don't have the up-to-date rosters on it. It's still the kind of the rosters from the end of the previous season as opposed to the start of the current season. Uh, On top of that, they dragged their heels. I think it was nearly two months post-release before the first patch uh, that updated the rosters came in, Uh, by which time FIFA had already come out and a lot of people had started switching over to FIFA out of frustration. Um, So that's kind of, you know.
2: That's frustrating because FIFA have been getting away with it far too long.
1: Yeah, like, if if Pro Evo could really get its act together on all fronts, like, in terms of, like, I talked uh, on the show about this, and I talked to Brian a lot about it when it came out, like, in terms of gameplay, Pro Evo is back. Like, it actually is a very fun game to play, and it doesn't feel like just, um like, a terrible arcade football game now. It actually feels really good to play. It re- feels like a lot of fun. Um, So it's just this kind of, like, the... And I will say as well, the Master League, the, the career mode in it is much more in-depth then the uh, FIFA Career Mode has been in a long, 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 long time, um, and uh, it's just the kind of like the stuff uh, with like the roster that's kind of annoying. The um, the fact that Konami like they're not we saw that they had they've had their most successful financial year ever, I believe, or at least in some time this year. And, um, so they do have the money to go out and chase those remaining licenses, which are the one thing that to the kind of the casual gamer really sets the two games apart, not having the licenses for a lot of teams in it. So like they have the money to go out and secure those licenses if they want to, one would assume, but they just elect not to. Um, and then kind of the other thing, uh, within the kind of the game modes, like, um, are the the kind of the occasions at which you feel um, Pro Evo is just trying to ape something that's been successful for FIFA. The one thing I'm particularly thinking of is that they have in the last year, maybe two years of Pro Evo decided they're going to try and do a version of Ultimate Team. Of course. Which like, I, I don't really care about Ultimate Team. Like I've done Ultimate Team in years past just to get the trophies. Yeah. Um,
2: I, um, I got way into it one year and probably spent about 40 to 50 pounds on it. And then, and Uh, there's nothing physical
1: to show for
0: that thousands of euros
1: yeah there are people who just pump money into it non-stop Um, but like I don't really care for the mode in general and I definitely don't care to actually pay additional money for FIFA Um, so I'm kind of like I never really like the ultimate team and then kind of it cheapens Pro Evo slightly when it's clear that they feel because it's a trend they have to do it you know what I mean? Whereas, like, they could be confident enough in how superior their gameplay is because when you kind of switch, like I have, between Pro Evo and FIFA uh, when you're playing, like, FIFA feels like it's being played in quicksand by comparison. Like, it's just... Uh, Pro Evo is so smooth, it actually... Like, it, it's just fun. You know what I mean? Where, like, it's fun and it feels like football, whereas, um, kind of, FIFA has kind of become bogged down in becoming this incredibly accurate football simulation by comparison um yeah a bit like watching
2: barcelona versus watching a team managed by Mourinho. yeah pretty much
1: (laughs) (laughs) um so that's like that's the kind of ways in which konami has let us down let's move on to um jack are you a fan of the tony hawks pro skater series or were you prior to this year
2: Uh, um, Yeah, as this podcast um, sport game expert, I was a huge fan of the Tony Hawk series. I have literally, aside from the ones that come with a stupid wobbly board you're meant to stand on in your living room and not look like a wanker, every single Tony Hawk game that's ever been released.
1: And well, uh,
0: uh, we got a new up and coming franchise for you, my friend. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the, uh, the, the, the series, the honey talk series, as it goes out. But, um, Ho- uh, Tony Hawk five, I nearly said honey talk there. Um, the Tony Hawks pro skater five, when you heard they were making, uh, the final, f- the, the fifth canonical Tony Hawk game, which feels like a <laughs> fucking weird thing to say. Out are out. Words there, man, they really are. Um, the fifth canonical tony hawk game were you filled with excitement dread mixture of both uh how were you feeling this is before Erections. release
2: i i i remember the news uh when i first heard it i, I mean i was i was on i was on the toilet and uh <laughs> appropriate just, place like, to be when you start puking I, I, everywhere I, I i couldn't i couldn't believe it M- my legs started shaking i was <laughs> tears in my eyes and i i, I ran I, I ran out and i was like Mum, it's happening <laughs> They're making it. They're making Tony Hawk's Five, and the mom said what? And I said, Ugh. um. So yeah, it was it was a special special moment in in the Lazol household that that day.
1: Um, and then it came out, Jack, and it turned out to be half a game with broken physics and uh, the ability to skate in space as Lil Wayne, and even that couldn't save it. yeah you say that sentence and like I'd fucking buy a copy of
2: it even if I'd never played the game before but like it's it's like it's like Rory McIlroy except that Rory McIlroy's game physics were actually pretty good whereas this was just awful and not only that the fact that it looked like it could have just easily been on like PS2 PS3 they didn't even attempt to upscale any graphics or, or do anything original it just it felt like one of the most undercooked things i've ever seen since i had that fucking steak tartare at Cow in london a couple of weeks ago it's just in, it's abysmal absolutely abysmal
1: um yeah it um i remember going to say like i i had no expectation for it as so, like, i like i had a feeling it was I going to be dreadful if i was you. Uh, <laughs> and um when the game came out, uh, I saw that uh, Giant Bomb were going to do a live stream, uh, a quick look, give their first impressions of the game, and I was a bit... Someone's gone there. Are heard... you still here? I oh, are. Yeah. Jack, are you still there? Oh. Oh, no, you're still here. I just... I heard the Skype hanging up noise and panicked.
0: Who's um... <laughs> the fourth person who was on our call?
1: Dear Lord. <laughs> it's Mark. He's been here all along. He listened to us
2: bury him. Um... I'd say that shit to his face. In fact, probably, probably worse if he was here. <laughs>
1: um, but um, I, I tuned in, and it was kind of like I, I tuned in late to this franchise, uh, to this uh, quick look, uh, the live stream of uh, Tony Hawk Five, and all I needed to know was, as soon as the stream loaded, all I heard was Jeff Gerstmann say, "This game makes me sad."
2: <laughs> Which <laughs> no, I think I... is a
1: conclusive review right there.
2: oh it just—it's everything you need to say. But Dave, you know how you were talking about how Konami made their games worse. They brought out patches and blah 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 and messed it up. You yeah. do realize that, like in November, like, I think it was mid-November time they brought out a patch where you could skate as either Tyler, the creator, or or one of four teenage mutant ninja turtles so <laughs> oh, i
1: thinking i have i have misjudged this game <laughs>
2: kind of thinking we're on the wrong track here this is more of a sort of a GOY game of the year kind of yeah candidate. i should so, i'll
1: move this into the game of the year now. i think
2: um. you probably have to i mean yeah if you can if you can skate around as tyler then that's it for me you know
1: <laughs> um the final nominee here before we move on because we, we are uh, really dragging our heels time-wise at even just getting through one award. Uh, here I was thinking this podcast wasn't going to last very long. Um, Arkham Knight on PC. I don't think much needs to be said about that except it came out it was completely broken. They removed it from sale. They put it back on sale even though it was still broken and to this day it still doesn't work properly. Um
2: assholes yes bad time
1: yeah real bad time like and i believe one of the was it the the small studio that were kind of uh, tasked with doing the port have basically said as much as we're not sure if it can ever be fixed <laughs> um which like really makes me feel good about the, the possibilities of that game doing well
2: how does shit like that happen how much money went into that game
1: like it's too much well <laughs>
2: how though like you're the video game enthusiasts do sure <laughs> uh i just like sports games obviously like how the fuck does that happen seriously
1: i i like i watched it uh mouth agape in june as all this was happening and like the lack of any sort of shame or apology coming from um anybody regarding that it was incredible but uh there you have it anyway let's start um Whittling these down, what I think we'll do is we'll go around the virtual table here. I'll go to, uh, I'll go first, then Brian, then Jack. We will strike off one by one. Um, we'll like nominate a game to be struck off the list so that we whittle it down to the winner. Um, and if one of us strongly disagrees, then we'll argue it out. Okay, all right, Does that sound good. Um, so looking at this list here, I am going to strike off star wars even though i put it on the list myself uh i'm gonna i'm gonna strike off star wars and the only reason i'm doing that is because even though like i said uh nothing is wrong about what i said that it does have uh, the depth of a teaspoon but uh at least for that time for that hour that two hours it is a good game while you're doing that and it looks great it sounds great and if you're just cashing in for uh an hour or two at a time of star wars nostalgia it's it's a reasonably good game, so I'm gonna get rid of that. I don't think it is the most inept thing that was done this year. Uh, Brian, do you want to knock one off the list there?
0: Um, I'll probably knock off either PlayStation Now or Horny Talk because, um, um, like with Hony Talk, did we really think it was gonna be good? Did we really? Okay, yeah, that's...
2: I did. Really, <laughs> I thought it was oh. gonna be good. Okay, so
1: oh. so do you want to lean towards PlayStation Now then, Brian? <laughs>
0: Well, I mean, like, I thought that was a stupid idea from the start.
1: Okay. Yeah, I don't think anybody really thought, like, when they heard that it was going, that you couldn't actually download the game, that it was operating on the cloud side of things, that it was going to be, it was going to work well. So that's that gone off. Uh, So, Jack, we are now left with uh, Knight on PC, Tony Hawk, Konami in general, The Order, and Rory's terrible golf game. What do you want to strike off?
2: I'll tell you what, I'll strike off Rory because it, it occurred to me when we were talking about Honey Talk that. It, it, Rory's game was actually okay to play Even though there wasn't a lot of it Whereas Honey Talk had bugger all And it was terrible to play So I think based on that comparison Rory can live another day
1: Okay Here is where it gets tough gentlemen We're down to brass tacks here Um, I <laughs> well, think
0: think this is going to be the hill I die on uh-uh. <laughs> Because it gave me
1: hope <laughs> Um, yeah, and right, then I think if that's going to be the hill you're going to die on, if you definitely want that to feature in the in the top two or three here, Brian, I think I'm going to have to lean towards, because no one has described it as personally offensive to them yet, I'm going to strike off Arkham Knight.
0: Well, we, none of us have been directly affected by it.
1: No, because at least I suppose you could argue that that game does work well on consoles, particularly on PS4, which we all happen to have. Yeah. Um. So we'll get rid of that. Uh, so that leaves Honey Talk, Konami, and The Order. And I'll hand it over to Brian.
0: Oh, you bastard. Um... actually i'll probably then let go of the order and keep konami just because they're shitting on so many people from such a height in so many different ways yeah
1: i want to point out at this juncture because i don't think i talked about on a podcast before uh one of my christmas presents from brian this year was a hashtag fuck konami t-shirt which is one of my now prized possessions and i should actually wear every time we record a podcast but i didn't think to tonight um so we will now we will now move and this will be an interesting uh, it's interesting that it lands on jack for this to decide <laughs> to decide the winner here because it is certainly uh dividing up two of your great passions in life and that's big boss and tony hawk um so it's kanami in general or Honey talk five um i leave the floor to you jack
2: now, this is difficult for me. Um, part of me just wants to say, let's eliminate Konami, just because clearly there are strong feelings there and I want to be a troll. Uh, <laughs> but I think um, Tony Hawk or Honey Talk was just a bad game, Yeah, right? It was a disappointment for fans of a series like me, but then most fans of a series are probably now in their mid to late 20s anyway. Lots of them probably don't care, slash don't even know what Bam Margera looks like anymore. So, that's fine. Um, he, uh, for, whereas, for those of you
1: listening, he looks like his own bloated corpse.
2: He he kind of looks a bit like... Not that he looks like his dad, because he's nowhere near as big as him, but his face is now pretty much his dad's face, bless him. <laughs> uh, he needs to stop taking drugs. Someone needs to rescue Bam. Maybe they need to make jackass four and it'll give him an excuse to, to get, off the, uh, get off the narcotics. But yeah, Konami are just... It's weird isn't it Because despite bringing out As you say two pretty good games this year They've managed to offend so many people On so many levels (laughs) And raise up the ire of an entire industry It is very rare That somebody can take a whole industry Turning their head and going Fuck that company
1: Yeah I, I think then So It is only appropriate that the inaugural winner Of the Konami Corner Award For Ineptitude in Video Games Is in fact Konami in general (laughs) <laughs> so okay, that was uh, that was pretty cordial. We didn't have to really fight that one out. I, I, I like how that went. So I'm gonna try to pick up the pace for these next few. Um, we're gonna move on to best moment now, gentlemen. Um, and Hang on, Dave, Dave. Yes,
2: can can you um, can you repeat that last sentence that you just said?
1: I can't remember what the sentence was, Brian. Can you oh, remember no, no, on no, no. best
0: moment?
2: No, 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 no. The one where you were like, "Oh, let's let's
1: give it to Konami." Oh, the Konami Corner Award for an episode in video games goes to Konami in general.
2: Yeah. (laughs) There you go.
0: (laughs) Well. I tip my cap to you, sir.
1: (laughs) your podcasting game is on another level friend and I can appreciate that Um, right we'll move (laughs) we'll move on to best moment Um, and for the final one of these when we start talking about it and it's the one we'll talk about first uh, once we get through the the shortlist here uh, we'll ask Brian to leave um, because it's sensitive ears can't handle the spoilers Um, so for best moment the contenders are am I leaving now? no no not yet I'll tell you when weird butthole stuff in Soma hey. the hospital in Metal Gear Solid 5 punching the shit out of a bear in Witcher 3 Wild Hunt wingsuiting in and fucking shit up Just Cause 3 the opening scene of Rise of the Tomb Raider and an event that occurs in Arkham Knight Brian at this point I would like you to remove yourself from the conversation actually you can just um mute your microphone and take your headphones down Um, and I will message you to come back on when we are done talking about this
0: Okay, but don't talk about the Witcher or the Son of Butt stuff without me. No, no, we're I just going to be the one that explains the butt stuff.
1: No, we're just going to talk. You always do. You always do. I
0: get the feeling you've said that to a girl before.
1: <laughs> oh, that actually, there's a story there uh, for us. <laughs>
0: Would you believe, Jack, without going into too much detail, it's usually the other way around? (laughs) Oh, dear.
1: Anyway, uh, so, Brian, if you uh, uh, recuse yourself there for a moment, and we're going to talk about Arkham Knight for just a couple of minutes.
0: ta folks. Okay.
1: So I'm just going to check that Brian is gone. No, we're not. We're going to talk about the story you just mentioned.
2: And <laughs> completely no sell the, the
1: Arkham Knight thing. It <laughs> will never right. listen back. Um, so Arkham Knight. Um, there's a twist towards the end. Oh, by the way, there will be spoilers uh, in this category for sure. Um, so there's a tw- there's a kind of a little twist in the tail. Um, a bit uh, at the end of the first act of Arkham Knight, whereby. Barbara Gordon is killed. Yeah, right now she's already in the wheelchair in the the start of the game, but in at the end of Act One she is, at least it's assumed she's killed. Um, only for her to actually return then in, in the third act, and for me, um, this moment, um, really kind of like it was a proper gut punch because we kind of. Uh, with these kind of games and with the kind of superhero genre in general, you're kind of, you're conditioned to believe that um, nothing bad in the long term ever happens to the good guys. You know what I mean? That like, you know, the, the, the trope in comics that no one in comics ever really dies except Bucky, but even he came back after, after many, many years. Um, so you're conditioned to believe nothing bad is ever going to happen to the protagonist. And I think like in that game, because they do a really good job of selling you on Barbara being killed. um, you kind of like it really ups the stakes and like adds a tremendous amount of drama to you proceeding on a, like a what to that point had been just like your average batman going to get the bad guys but then really becomes like a personal quest of vengeance um against um scarecrow um so like it's a, i find it a really really good stuff and kind of like i felt a little bit cheated by the idea that she comes back at the end like if they had actually committed to keeping her properly dead by the end. Maybe that would have been um, even better. But um, uh, your thoughts on kind of um, that idea uh, of kind of like killing off a, a, a fan favorite character, I suppose, in many respects, Jack.
2: Um, I think it's a it's a bold move, I suppose, for, for the series to do something like that. You know, um, obviously the original her being paralyzed in the killing joke was, was a big big plot point and i think a very because it happened in sort of the 80s so in comic books at the time i I think that the contra the controversy was there and i feel like maybe that's what they were trying to do with the barbara gordon thing but in the end i think it's just a spanner in the works for her coming back to be like a bad girl basically so
1: um She is as well um, Kind of part of the The whole process Of grieving over her At one point You do actually travel back And get to walk around In that scene From The Killing Joke Oh Uh, wow Which is genuinely Jack you should definitely Look it up on YouTube Once we're done recording here It is Unbelievable Like I proper Like as soon as I realised Where I was Like chills uh, it was amazing. Like it's one of it those real like. There's a lot of fan servicey moments in that game that are pretty awesome. If you like paid attention to either the comic books or even the animated series, there's a lot of nods to. Um, That's cool. Uh, throughout that, like to the extent where, like at the end of, uh, like towards the end of that game, he does recite the "I am the night" speech, which is uh, quite a time. Let me tell that, you
2: that's pretty awesome
1: um so yeah, like I, I think it's pretty good it, for me, it was one of the moments of the year because it like proper like I was not expecting it, and it's very hard for something like a Batman game uh to catch me out of nowhere. you know what I mean yeah definitely uh, so, I, yeah right I, I've only actually played about
2: half an hour to an hour of the game though I must confess, so even though that is a spoiler for me uh i I still look forward to going through it and and exploring it myself.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a good game. Um, I I really like it. Um, it's something I I keep meaning to go back to now that I have like an ocean of DLC sitting there ready to be played through, and just haven't come back to it in a long time because like many other massive games have come out. I'm gonna message Brian now to come back on because I think it's a spoiler free territory now. I um I think that it's interesting that
2: if anything, the Arkham Knight series uh, or the Arkham series rather is now so kind of popular with fans is is almost like people seem to more consistently enjoy the arkham games than they do any of like the new 52 stuff that they do with yep. batman in the comics now. Then you think that's quite an odd development.
1: It is, yeah. Like it's uh of all the things batman is associated with the comics at the moment might be the least popular of them because like obviously the movies he's in uh, garner a lot of attention. The kind of the Batman Beyond uh, carto- the animated series has a real uh following real real big following and then as you said like the games are very popular whereas everybody shits all over the new 52 um it's quite interesting although um that oh what's it called uh, death of the family that new 52 run is, a death in the family uh, yes. well not not a death in the family death of the family the new oh. f- the new 52 run with the re- with the return of the joker from the grave i don't know if you've seen that art of the joker where he's uh strapped his own face back on
2: I have not, but I will endeavour to check it out.
1: It is grim, and it's a good story as well. It's real creepy. Like, it's proper the creepiest Joker story that there's been in a long, long time. Um, So, yeah, Brian will be back on in two seconds now, so I'll move towards the next one. Um, I'll start talking about the the opening scene of Rise of the Tomb Raider. Um, Rise of the Tomb Raider is a real kind of like um, sleeper hit for me, because it came out um, around the same time as... Was it came out around the same time as Fallout? I think it did, yeah. It came out, like, the week after Fallout, um, which is, like, real kind of suicide sales-wise for any game. Um, Indeed. But it came out, and um, it kind of, like... The people who played it talk a lot about it, but obviously there's so few people because it's an Xbox One exclusive, so that obviously is severely limiting the um, the the audience you can appeal to, and obviously, like, you know a lot of people were going to be buying a lot of people on Xbox One were going to be buying Fallout instead Um, but this game like it's proper um, one of the best games I've played this year and it's funny how they say that uh, the Uncharted games on PlayStation very much uh, are inspired to say the least by the early Tomb Raider games whereas these Tomb Raider games the, the one from a couple of years ago and Rise of the Tomb Raider this year are kind of they have been inspired by the Uncharted games. So it's like life imitating art imitating life. You know what I mean? It's kind of just one inspiring the other over and over again. And I think like Rise of the Tomb Raider has set the bar pretty high for Uncharted 4 coming out this year uh, in terms of like just set pieces alone. Like the opening scene I talk about is a real kind of like tense and dramatic moment where like Uh, Lara and her mate are trying to get up a mountain in the midst of an avalanche and like it's just it's one of those things that is an absolute visual spectacle there are very few games that I've played this year that look better and um, particularly during the set piece that can capture that kind of um, drama and um, the kind of the the high stakes I suppose uh, of the situation Uh, are you kind of Jack have you dabbled at all in in the reboot of the Tomb Raider franchise or have you seen anything to do with it or anything?
2: i I haven't actually um got back into it to be honest with you know, like I was a big fan when I was younger and I remember having an awful lot of fun with the series and the the sort of puzzle element of it I think was always the thing that I really liked but since it's kind of been relaunched and stuff it it uh, It's one of those things where, you know, sometimes you want to see an old game that you love with, like, flashy graphics and a different look and just basically, like, a car with a new paint job and and stuff. To me, Tomb Raider wasn't one of those games. Like, I felt like it was something that should kind of live in the past. And I felt when it got to the... Yeah, (laughs) Brian's back (laughs) exactly like Rapper the Rapper and when it got to the second Angelina Jolie film like I was just done with anything to do with Tomb Raider and I still haven't jumped back on but if this is something I genuinely need to at least pay a bit of attention to I'll probably go and check something out if that's the case like
1: the the reboot of the series Tomb Raider uh, a couple of years ago uh, I liked it I liked it Brian you liked it a lot didn't you
0: I really liked it I picked it up for like 14 quid or something like that and it was a fantastically
1: good investment Uh, yeah you can pick it up for similar probably a similar price at the moment on the playstation store like it's pretty good um but i would definitely say rise of the tomb raider which at the moment sadly is still an xbox one exclusive is like so much better like a proper kind of like dark horse for me for my personal game of the year um like it's properly breathtakingly good um combines uh, I think what Brian Altano at IGN said at the time was like it's a combination of like a really really good Tomb Raider game and a pretty good Zelda game which like uh, as I think I said at the time was like if you there are a few better ways to sell something to me than saying it is akin to a very good Zelda game um, but yeah, I'm really enjoying that. I've kind of, I, I feel like I've barely scratched the surface on it because it is, it does feel like it's going to be a massive game. But that moment at the start, anyway, in the avalanche is uh, like it's something to behold, and you should definitely kind of um check it out on the YouTubes when you get a chance. Um, so moving on to the next one, then. What uh, stuff. <laughs> we'll, oh, we'll save that We'll say that's the main event of this category uh, Brian uh, as brief as you can um, talk about the satisfaction and the great moment the first time in Just Cause 3 when you wingsuit into a settlement or a village or a military installation and start fucking shit up
0: or well, the first time I wingsuit hit face first into a tree so maybe not the first time <laughs> <laughs> the
1: first time you successfully wingsuited into a village and start fucking shit up
0: oh it's pretty fucking sweet and um, yeah, like I'm, I'm now now that I've, you've told me about how much fun it is to do with Spotify playing uh, some bitching rock and roll in the background. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely dedicated to giving that a go. Even without that, it is monumentally satisfying just to rock in and make shit go boom.
1: Basically, uh, Jack, yesterday evening at one point, I jumped out of a helicopter, wingsuited down about 150 feet Pulled out of the slide uh, Pulled out of the nosedive Into a parachute Took out an RPG And started blowing up a military installation All while hell's bells blared through Spotify Oh
2: and oh, That's great uh,
1: It is among the most satisfying Things you can do Is to blow stuff up in Just Cause um, Like it's a game that suffers a lot From loading time issues And uh, at least for some people Frame rate issues but when that game works perfectly, it is, uh, it's it, like just immense satisfaction at all times. Like to the point where Brian, do you give a shit about the story in that game or do you even know what the story is about? Nope. <laughs> that's how, that's how fun blowing stuff up is that you don't even care what the story is about. Cause you just want to blow more stuff up. <laughs> um, so yeah, I just wanted to definitely throw that in there and, uh, Obviously, because you're the RPG wunderkind Brian, we'll have to throw it to you for this one in particular. Um, the Witcher 3 Wild Hunt, getting to punch the shit out of a bear. Could you explain, again, quite briefly, what that is about?
0: Yeah, basically, there's a whole side quest thing whereby you can become the fist fighting champion of the various regions. And uh, when you get to... And then eventually the fist fighting champion of, presumably, the world. Um, but as you come through it, when you fight the last champion in Skellige... Um, which is the
1: island off to the west where everyone sounds like Jerry Adams
0: pretty much yeah um, but yeah you go to Skellige and they're like okay you're going to fight our champion in this on this little island here okay uh, hop down into that uh, uh, very rough and ragged looking arena to fight in where every other fight is taking place basically in the back room of a bar um, but you hop down into the arena you're you know shirtless in your pants and boots and you're all scarred and, and you're going fist upright and ready to go and throw this down they open the gates and a fucking bear walks out and so you have to bare knuckle beat the shit out of a bear. It's pretty fun. Um, it was a bit of a shock. I was, when I was in it, I was like, what
1: the fuck? What,
0: what the fuck are these cunts doing? Like, you know, nobody said this was going to be a bear. Then you have to follow <laughs> up with this fight in a rock troll, which is more kind of tedious and annoying because as you learn,
1: Dave, to your detriment. You can't redo that particular fight. Yeah. I was like I the troll started beating the shit out of me and I was like okay I'll just let it kill me and then I'll try again and when it killed me I realized very quickly I couldn't try again. Um but yeah but uh, <laughs> having to actually fist fight a bear was something I wasn't necessarily expecting from a game this year but uh, I very much enjoyed it. Um sorry to uh, uh Peter for that. Um Jack talk to yes. me talk to me about the hospital Metal Gear Solid V the Phantom Pain.
2: Oh, God. Um, it made me panic. It, it Blind panic the first time I played it. It's horrible. You, you wake up in a hospital, and at first you're kind of like trying to get used to your surroundings. You think, okay, there's going to be a storyline thing here, and then it's going to cut to a mission or something. But no... You're in a hospital bed in, in a really claustrophobic place. And uh, then all the just, while,
1: all the while, this early part being soundtracked to the mid-year cover of The Man of Who Sold the World. The Man Who Sold the
2: world. the world, yeah. Excellent. Uh, and yeah, it goes very dark very quickly. Like there's, there's a scuffle, a kerfuffle you hear outside. You hear people being thrown around. You hear gunshots. And then all of a sudden, somebody is coming into the room and dragging you under the bed and and making you crawl and and you're trying to get through the corridors of these of this hospital and every now and then you're seeing a weird guy who happens to be on fire and 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 soldiers shooting at you and they're looking specifically for somebody which you know logic dictates is obviously going to be you as well and it's just a really claustrophobic survival horror like surreal part of a game which completely differs in every way once you get through it from from that original bit of gameplay so yeah. it's um it's, it's something very out of the ordinary and I, as i um, said on our metal gear solid uh little tag up that we did a few weeks ago it, it's kind of like the bit up front on a james bond film where you go in and you're straight into the action with bond and you're not really sure what's going on. And and, and the the actions that take place in that bit usually have nothing to do with the film. You just enjoy it and then credits. And that's kind of like this, but you don't so much enjoy this more as you are a little bit scared at every single moment you're in the hospital.
1: Absolutely. Uh, A couple of moments just to pinpoint there uh, without getting uh, too deep into it that I really enjoy. Um, a freeze and you'll miss it a cameo by quiet before she's quiet uh, yep. at the start as one of the people coming in to take you away uh, before she gets set a little bit on fire Um, the first time you see the man on fire um, is quite a terrifying experience uh, the first time you see what you very quickly realise if you're a Metal Gear Solid fan is Psycho Mantis coming in, That is that's quite a moment for the Metal Gear fan uh, yeah, yep, Psycho McMantis. Psycho McMantis with the long ginger hair. Um, uh, the moment down in the lobby where you very quickly realise that Psycho Mantis and the Man in Fire appear to be work in cahoots to some extent. Um, when the t- and when the tank comes through the wall, and then the final moment that I think uh, really encapsulates um how surreal, horrifying, and strange that whole segment is. Is running through the forest while you are gripping onto dear life uh, to Ocelot, who is trying to get you away on horseback, while the man on fire chases you on a flaming unicorn. Uh, And then when you get down to the beach and a flaming whale shoots up into the sky.
2: Yes. And you're armed with a shotgun. Yeah. That is your protection. You are shooting a flaming man on a unicorn with a shotgun.
0: Uh, At what point did you all stop playing Metal Gear and start playing Saints Row? Uh,
1: Yeah, it is pretty surreal. Like, it it is mental, but it's awesome. Like, in the moment, you don't question why is there a unicorn on fire chasing me? You're just going with it because you've been so immersed into how horrifying it is to that point. You're just like, I just need to survive. I'm not going to question things.
2: Yeah, very much so. But yeah, speaking of back now, I'd just like to point out something from the previous item as well. Like, you were talking about how you 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 bare knuckle fight the bear in A Witcher 3, but, like, you... You you can bare knuckle fight a bear in Metal Gear
1: Solid. You can. As well. You can close quarters combat a bear and knock you him can, out. <laughs> you
2: can CQC a bear. So like that this game has both of those moments. And what I will
1: say as well is that this may come back up when we're talking about Game of the Year, is like you may be able to knock out a bear in both games, but there's only one of those games where you can then attach a small balloon to the bear and have him float up into the air and be taken back to your offshore base.
2: Yes. Or suck him up into a wormhole should you desire.
1: Yes, indeed. And I cannot wait until I get that upgrade later in the game. Um, <laughs> uh, finally, uh, and Brian has been, um, <laughs> I don't want to say wringing his hands with glee at the thought of having to explain this to another living human being. But Brian, the floor is yours. Weird butthole stuff in SOMA.
0: Really, is kind of... You You did, I think, Jack, watch a, a little YouTube clip here before we started <laughs> to kind of bra- introduce yourself a little bit of the concept. But yeah, in SOMA... Well, we don't know if there's a payoff. Do you say there was a trophy for touching all the possible buttholes you could touch?
1: Um, no, uh, I don't know if there's a trophy. I haven't looked at that, but there's cert- there is supposed to be some sort of payoff uh, at the end of the game. Like it, it influences something that happens later in the game if you make sure that you interact with all of the buttholes.
0: <laughs> but basically, yeah, there is. Um... Basically, it appears that like bio, uh, mechanics or uh, semi-organic machines play a big kind of part in this whole thing. By the way, and if you
1: before we get on with this, um, uh, in case I don't think of it later, uh, Jack, if you enjoy horror games, this is about fifteen oh, or twenty quid online, and it's definitely worth looking into.
0: It's for a Um but yeah. So there are basically all around the environment as you go along. There are these kind of pieces of kind of bio machinery attached to the walls and the floors and that. And basically they look like anuses,
1: <laughs>
0: large anuses about the size of an apple pie. And, uh, you can interact with them. And when you do, it's, it's weird. Like, it's kind of like in other games where your character gets like an electric shock or enters a drug trip or something like that. You kind of freak out for a minute and then return to the game and, uh, everything goes white or something like that. Uh, But the key point here is, apart from how weird it is to say, like, you know, press X to interact with this butthole-looking thing, um, as you continue on, your interaction... (laughs) There is a progression
1: to your butthole interaction.
0: It it escalates. As (laughs) the very first butthole that you (laughs) touch... Um you just kinda poke it a little bit with a finger. Now we only played about what, about two hours of the game? Yeah,
1: at first you could be described as like lightly tickling the bum hole. Oh my yeah,
0: God. but by the time we kinda sure. I stopped playing anyway and left it off for yourself here, you were fully ramming your fist up to the wrist in the buttholes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you gra- you get gradually more aggressive towards the buttholes as the game continues. Uh, I haven't played past that point, so I don't know if you get like elbow deep or anything like that. I can't confirm. G- g- can someone just point out to me
2: why there are giant, what seems to be detached from anything else, assholes?
1: <laughs> um, Jack, nope. uh, four hours into the game, four to five hours into the game, we're not entirely sure, and I'm, I based on how strange and surreal the game is, I'm not entirely sure we will ever know. <laughs>
2: Okay, because I, I looked it up and it didn't seem to really hold any purpose, like nothing was happening, but um, somebody shoved their arm very, in, in, in a
1: butthole. Uh, very occasionally there's been one that when you touch the butthole it like opens a door or something, um, but most of them are kind of just decorative buttholes.
2: I see, okay.
1: <laughs> um, right, so let's uh, whittle this down. Um, I think this time we'll start with Jack, then go to Brian, then go to me. Right. Hey. Um, can I
2: have a brief... Actually, no, I don't need a brief recap. What would I like to whittle out? I mean, it'd be very unfair of me to whittle out something that I haven't seen, but... Let's, wanna... Oh, but
1: before... Sorry, sorry to cut yeah. you off, Jack. Before we get to that, we'll just refer to that last one that Brian's not allowed here as the Arkham Knight moment.
2: Yeah. Okay, right, I see. Well, I want to whittle out punching the shit out of a bear in The Witcher 3 because you can do it in Metal Gear Solid as well, and Metal Gear Solid has a moment on this list.
1: I'll let that go, yeah. Okay, Brian is willing to let that go without contest. So, punching the shit out of a bear, Witcher 3, Gonzo. Right, Brian. Um... So, uh, just to sum it up for you, we've got weird butthole stuff, the hospital, wingsuiting in and fucking shit up, opening scene, Rise of the Tomb Raider, and Arkham Knight.
0: Um, I'd probably say... lose the, um just cause one because that's really the whole game it's not really a specific moment okay crafted to like i mean whereas like i don't know about i haven't played rise of the tomb Raider, but i know from playing the definitive collection like that there are moments in that game crafted specifically yeah for you know full impact of a moment like so i imagine both the hospital and that rise of the tomb raider one would probably both fit that category and probably the ark and knight one that i don't know
1: yeah um okay i'll yeah um at this point then uh, you're very right brian so we've eliminated that um i will because i don't think i'm gonna get a lot of support for it to finish high i am going to harry carry my own nomination here and get rid of opening scene rise of the tomb raider um, because fair. it's fantastic but again i don't know if we want to call it moment of the year because indeed only one third of our judging panel here has actually played it Uh, So can it be that prolific of a moment uh, If you guys hadn't heard of it Until I explained it to you
2: Right Um, Uh, So
1: that leaves weird butthole stuff The hospital and Arkham Knight Right
2: I see Well I'm going to take out Arkham Knight For reasons that We talked about in terms of The impact of the moment And something that happened later That kind of the impact of it a little
1: bit. Yeah, that's fair enough. That's exactly what I would have done if I had gotten another pass as well. Um so Brian <laughs> <laughs> I can see where this one's going. So you're gonna put it down to me be between a bit in a game
0: I haven't played and the butthole stuff.
1: Uh I am, yeah. Now... Okay,
0: what I'm gonna do then is I'm gonna apply the same logic that I applied to the just cause thing <laughs> to the stuff and just say, well look, it's not a specifically crafted moment in the game, which I think best moment should be, you know like like what the re- like, Dave, like the revelations at the in a Bioshock, the first one. Yeah, like that's a best moment. So. And
1: I'll, I'll tell you, uh, just personally, that the hospital is a moment like that where. Well, like, I
0: mean, just listen to your description. Yeah. Like, I can kind of see. Yeah, I'd be down for that. It's like. it's a
1: special moment. It really is a special moment. Like, um. The, I was trying to think of a solid one from The Witcher as well for that category, but like apart from punching the shit out of a bear, which is a hilarious incongruent moment in that, uh, The Witcher isn't about moments as much as it is about like long, no, lengthy experiences that build towards a climax. Um so yeah, we're we're satisfied that you're gonna knock off weird butthole stuff then, are you? Yeah. I've always been telling you to knock that weird butthole stuff off, man. Um mm-hmm. so the winner then for best moment is the hospital scene, chapter one of Metal Gear Solid Five, The Phantom Pain. Um,
2: oh, well. Wait, do record. you
1: want to repeat that? Yeah, again? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was your <laughs> Yeah, I did leave us. Oh, I was like, because in my head, I was like, is he gonna do the noise again? Right. So, we'll, there we go. I can. Really, I could really get used to this. <laughs> um, the next, the next award goes to prettiest game. Uh, Our nominees for this are Until Dawn, Yoshi's Woolly World, The Vanishing of Ethan Carter, Soma, Axiom Verge, and The Order 1886. Um, So, uh, let's go from bottom to top. Order 1886, we've already talked about, so we don't need to talk about that much more. The only redeeming quality of that game is that it genuinely does look fantastic. Brian, am I correct?
0: Dave, I'm actually feeling like I'm going to have to say that's my... That's my one for this category.
1: Oh. As upset
0: as it made me. <laughs> oh my God.
1: You, I've actually got you into a situation where you are voting to award something to the Order 1886.
0: <laughs> well, look, I, I mean, the, in that category, the only other game that I think is as visually amazing to look at even closely is Until Dawn. And there are some serious uncanny valley issues with yeah, Until well, Dawn. We'll, we'll,
1: we'll come to that in a second, yeah.
0: So, yeah, I'm going to say Order 1886 is the the prettiest Um, All those
1: games. Axiom Verge, uh, for me, is one of the prettiest games of the year. I put it on this list um, because it is a real throwback to Metroidvania games, and it certainly. Uh, while adhering to that kind of art style in the early phase of the game it does a lot of things kind of um, an hour or two into the game that starts subverting things. I also think, um, and Jack, if you are trying to, if you haven't played Axiom Verge and you're trying to look up to see what the art looks like, there are certain elements that I think you might agree are very kind of uh, Giger-esque uh, about some of the art in Axiom Verge, uh, particularly one of the most famous kind of like... Um, logos for it. Uh, it's very kind of like um there's certain horror elements to it. Um
0: so what you're saying it's a brilliant looking game from
1: the 90s. It's a brilliant looking game but because like it's almost because it isn't like I don't think it's going to get a huge amount of support because it's not like uh, uh, from us because it's not a massive technical achievement like it's not a photo realistic looking game but what it is is like it's an absolute fantastically composed love letter to a genre of game that a lot of people of our generation hold in very high esteem it's um, honorable mention uh like I, like to me it would be very high on this list but i i acknowledge the fact that that you gentlemen may not agree and it, i i do also acknowledge that when you're talking about prettiest game the sometimes the tendency is to lean towards like i said the the technical achievement of making things look as realistic as possible um whereas i do think like in terms of kind of um within its own kind of artistic medium within the kind of the parameters it had set itself as a like i said a love letter to metroidvania games i think it is a spectacular achievement in and of itself and i definitely think it was worthy of uh, putting on the list here um soma was one you put on the list here brian yeah, uh, talk to me about Soma. Uh,
0: like it was kind of, in terms of kind of again, not necessarily the most fully realistically pretty one. Um, obviously because it's quite a stylized sci-fi kind of a, a game, but it's um, I mean, kind of there was a particular bit, not to give away any of the plot, but like where you're in, you're underwater on the the ocean bed, and I mean it is incredible. I think the thing about Soma is it's how immersive the visuals are. Yeah. Because like it's it's the fact that you really feel that you're in there, the claustrophobia of what you're looking at presses
1: down upon you. To describe it to you, Jack, um, basically the art style and the atmosphere of Soma. Because the one thing that I will tell you, like, and it, it's the one thing that, uh, like, if a horror game has it, then the rest is just window dressing, really. But if a horror game has atmosphere, that's more than half the battle, really. And Soma Agreed. Soma has it in spades. It feels like. Um, halfway between Alien and the first Bioshock, in yeah. terms of the atmosphere and the setting, so
0: claustrophobic.
1: Um, so claustrophobic, so kind of futuristic, while at the same time kind of underwater and oppressive and claustrophobic, like you said like, yourself, like, Brian. Like
0: this, if you watch me play, you know, for giggles, because it's fun to watch me play scary
1: games. Oh, it's so much fun, Jack. You have no idea.
0: Um, but like <laughs> I was like I was like getting into rooms and there was noises and flickering lights and I was backing the camera like the character into the corner of the room so that nothing could jump up on me behind, from behind instinctively yeah just just being in the room was forcing me to do that out of self-preservation even though there was nothing in the room to attack
1: me yeah and a lot of like the atmosphere created There, like part of it is the sound design which i think uh, is fantastic but uh, a lot of it is down to the, the visual kind of uh feast that is on display for you there the atmosphere created by the visuals in that game um, the Vanishing of Ethan Carter, uh, I'm not going to talk much about that because it's not a game I've finished or anything like that. And it's not a game, I don't think either of you have played Vanishing of Ethan Carter, have you? No, bottom line, no. yeah. Um, it is one of the most creepily photorealistic looking games I have ever played in my life. There's a stream of me on our YouTube channel playing through the first 20 minutes of this game. Where most of the time my commentary is just looking at things like grass and plants and a bridge and just going, Jesus
0: Christ. Oh yeah, I remember. I watched
1: it (laughs) Yeah, like, I just could not believe it. Like, it just looks so unbelievably good. Um, It isn't, what I will say, if you're going to talk about um, downside to it, I don't think the the fact that it is so um, good looking... Is uh in any way key to how the game functions. If if you know what I mean, like a lot of Soma uh kind of it's important that Soma looks the way it does, whereas Vanishing of Ethan Carter, because of the way the story is in that so far at least, I don't think it is as reliant on its own visual style as other games in this category, which I think is what uh will act against it when it comes to the eliminations here. Um Jack, you made a comment off-air when I mentioned that this was uh, a nominee. Uh, Yoshi's Woolly World. What was your comment, yes. Jack?
2: Uh, I think it's absolutely beautiful. It's one of the more original settings for a game I've seen in, in quite a while, actually. Yeah. And I think a lot of the um, things that you guys have mentioned, like, and I've been going through and looking at them as you've been talking about them, uh, with the exception of maybe Axiom, uh, Verge, are very much sort of next gen things that that do look spectacular, but yeah. this is just an art style that I haven't seen done before. Yeah, it, it, it's it's, it's very... pretty
1: much the only other time I can think of it being done is in another Nintendo game uh the year before last, which is um Kirby's Epic Yarn, but it wasn't nearly this good looking. Not no. nearly this good looking.
2: No, that was more and, and that to me was more like outline y and and, yeah. and strange. Whereas this was much more... It looked like finished knitted crocheted scenes. It looked like somebody had actually hand-knitted a whole thing and they were going through it. It's just amazing. Yeah, Uh, it's...
1: it's Brian, you should see this on a big screen TV. Like, it is scary how good that game looks. Like, you may not... It's not... Obviously, because everything's made of wool. It's not the most photorealistic setting. Like, it's not uh, a realistic-looking green dinosaur going around and shooting eggs at people. But the actual wool itself is so unbelievably realistic looking you know what i mean mm. um, no, I've, I've seen i've seen clips of it like and it does look impressive um so like that's i thought like it would be remiss of us not to put that in on prettiest game uh i think uh i also toyed with the idea of throwing in a, a late call because it certainly is a very interesting visual style and really contributes to the game a lot is uh splatoon um yeah definitely splatoon uh, As you know what, I will throw it in. I will throw it in. Throw it in. Yeah. Definitely. Go on, you were saying there, Jack, sorry? Oh,
2: it's just, I mean, it's it's kind of very basic in, in the sense that just huge swathes of colour uh, lighting up a screen, like, it, 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 there's something kind of, like, almost preschooly about it, but it's yeah. insanely satisfying to go on with a giant paint roller and just paint half a level in your particular colour. Yeah. I can't it, 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 I wouldn't say that it would be worthy of winning having looked at some of the other stuff on here but I think mm-hmm. it should definitely be mentioned
1: uh, Brian you, you had a brief dalliance with Splatoon when we bought it this year Uh no, I didn't t- Did you not? Were you not here when we played that? Oh my apologies mm-hmm. um, No it is a, it's certainly like a really interesting visual style and it is very important to the game that it looks that way and kind of like um, I don't know about ye but kind of um, certainly um, Working in schools and stuff like that, and having younger cousins, I've seen kind of like the the Squid Boy and the Squid Girl have really caught on with a lot of uh, younger people and stuff like that. The um, so that kind of is a testament to how good that game looks and plays, I suppose as well. Really, and um, the final one, uh, until dawn, um, which I have here in here uh, a little note in here uh, based on Brian's observations of the game is that until dawn may as well be known as Ass Simulator Two K Fifteen. Uh, because all Brian, <laughs> all Brian could focus on at certain points in this game is how uh, really realistic the asses in particular look.
0: Like I put it uh, like this: like I think I mentioned there, like there are uncanny valley issues with the faces, uh, like the yeah. teeth and the mouth. Like, like, like Peter Stormare looks perfectly like Peter Stormare, except when his mouth moves.
1: Yeah, I I don't know if like if you have much kind of uh, if this game has come across your radar much, Jack. But it's uh, like. The, the, it's it's got like a ridiculously good cast for a game. So uh, the kind of thing that acts against us there is because you know how these people look in real life, which doesn't help with the Uncanny Valley thing because your three main uh, stars are Hayden Panettiere from Heroes, uh, Remy Malek from Mr. Robot, and uh, as Brian mentioned, Peter Stormare from uh, having weird facial hair and accents in a lot of movies. <laughs> yeah, um, that, that does accurately describe him. Yeah, uh, I think everyone's favorite cuddly German nihilist. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, Brian. Sorry to, to interrupt you there. You were you were talking about the the uncanny valley.
0: Yeah. So, like in the like, I mean, the the kind of the.
2: Can I just point out? You're talking about an uncanny valley uh, in reference to a game with beautiful looking asses. It's just uh, so- seeing,
0: yeah, Jack. There is nothing uncanny about the valleys and those beautiful
1: fucking asses. <laughs> oh so my god! Oh my god! Oh, if you were in this room, I would punch you. <laughs> <laughs> that is like, oh god, my skin is crawling, and how weird that sounded. It's such a rich area for humor, isn't it?
0: <laughs> we, we we we've ta- we've touched on this area quite a few times. Ta- ta- we were to say
1: like we've tapped on that area. Oh god, we've tapped
0: the comical ass. Oh. just
2: when you thought we were done with buttholes and so much
0: <laughs> But no, like um, you know. When you watch the characters like talk and speaking that like and particularly with the scenes of Peter Stormare, it's like it becomes kind of you know that's not how Peter Stormare's mouth looks or how it moves when he talks. So it's kinda of, it's jarring a little bit. Not enough to annoy your wreck like, again, but like it's it's a it's a nitpick. But I swear to God, when the camera decides it wants you to look at a character's arse. Which I is, mean Which
1: is surprisingly frequent.
0: Quite a lot, like. I mean there's a there's I mean it's bordering on Tomb Raider esque. With uh, how much the camera forces you to go and,
1: and zoom in on s yeah. um But even like I said to you, like even though sometimes the characters' faces uh, go into that uncanny valley where it looks weird, um, everything else about the game, like Oh, literally everything Like the environments and everything look amazing. Um even the rest of the characters that aren't the face look amazing. Um, like everything about that game just uh, like it definitely is worthy of inclusion on this list because it just and this is something that we've literally only been playing the last day or so. Uh, we've been blitzing through it and we're nearly at the end like it's quite a short game but in contrast with um, The Ordinary 86 which was way short and terrible this is short and good and will probably leave us wanting more of this kind of game if not if not necessarily kind of more of this particular narrative. Um like i'm like really a
0: sequel will have to be very carefully done not just to be a rehash
1: yeah and i think what we'll, I, I think we'll, we'll talk about that a bit more when it comes to uh the the actual the, the final award here but in terms of the, the the visual impact of the game like it's very very striking it's very very just a real gorgeous looking game um so with that i think it comes time to start striking shit off and this time we will start with brian then me then jack brian what are we striking off here will i read out the list to you Read out the list to me again. Okay, Uh, if you can actually, because I've deleted that note about what happens in Batman, I can actually share this document with you again. Okay. And you'll be able to um, see it. So apologies for people listening to this at home.
2: I would like to assuage myself from the responsibility because I don't think I've seen enough of the games to make it fair. There's only one that I would eliminate, and that's Axiom. And there's only one okay. that I would would put up for a recommendation, and that's Yoshi. But I feel like you guys are in a much better position okay. to uh, to decide between you.
1: Yeah, if that's what you want to do, then you can recuse yourself for this one. So Brian will be back and forth between my, myself and yourself. Uh, Jack, if you feel strong objections at all at any point based on uh, anything, really, uh, feel free to jump in. But uh, Brian, uh, so the list is while you're opening that. I'm looking at it. Okay, so the list is just for the, those at home. Until Dawn Yoshi's Woolly World The Vanishing of Ethan Carter Soma Axiom Verge The Order 1886 and Splatoon I, I'm
0: gonna mix Splatoon
1: first Okay Because visuals are
0: fun but I don't think in any way does it, it like I've seen kind of clips of it online and there's no part of it and we go holy shit
1: Okay uh, what I will do next then is because as I pointed out uh, it is a visual style that is out of this whole list least integral to the game that it is in I will um, uh, axe vanishing of Ethan Carter, which leaves us with five Brian.
0: I'm gonna axe axiom because I have seen you play it and it Oof. does look great for what yeah. it is. Yeah. But I don't think I like. I mean, definitely an honourable mention yeah. for considering like that. It is such a love letter to the Metroidvania genre. Yeah. But. I, I don't think it belongs getting the prettiest game of the year award, man.
1: Okay, yeah, no, that's fine. It finished, it didn't finish bottom which is fine because I was expecting uh, one or other of you to nick it on the first go, so that's grand. Um, So now we're down to four at which point I am going to axe Soma.
0: No, I agree.
1: Okay. That's grand. No.
0: Effective visuals, but not necessarily the prettiest.
1: Yeah, so no fight there. Brian, we're down to three.
0: So with the order Yoshi and Until Dawn, yes, you're gonna be upset with me, but I'm gonna suggest dropping Yoshi.
1: I might have to fight you on this one, brother. Um, I don't know if you want to leap in at this point, Jack, and help me out here, but um,
0: I put it like this: uh, <sighs> the order is the hill I'm gonna die on. For all that it is a horrible game, it is the prettiest game I've seen this year. I stand flat out; it
1: is the prettiest. I, it's up
2: to you, Dave. This is a judgment call because I've seen some of the order and it do, right. it does look pretty good.
1: My argument to you here, Brian, um, uh, about axing Yoshi's woolly world, and I don't know if you'll follow me along with this, is that whereas we can look at Until Dawn and say Until Dawn 98% of the time looks incredible, looks photorealistic, there is still that uncanny valley. Mm -hmm. That is an absolute, like it is definitely an immersion breaking thing when it's particularly uh, noticeable. uh, And it is a thing that happens. Whereas if I look at Yoshi's Woolly World, there is not a single part of the visual style or the art style of that game that I can point at and say, that's bad or that's immersion breaking or that's a negative. There is nothing, like Yoshi's Woolly World, the art style is absolutely flawless.
0: Then I'll drop until done and I'll keep Yoshi's Woolly World. Okay. But I'm not dropping the order.
1: That's fine. Uh, And yeah, I think whereas Yoshi's World, like I said, I, I love that art style, it is particularly exceptional what The Order did visually. Uh, Which makes it all the game. more
0: upsetting what it did with the entire yeah, rest of the game.
1: Yeah, it kind of like, it, and in, in fairness, in spite of the fact that pretty much every other department in that game, uh, in terms of how that game was built, people seem to have been asleep at the wheel. It is possibly even more exceptional then that the game still managed to be that good looking. in spite And of I
0: don't think there's any point at all where the visuals break or glitch at all that I encountered.
1: No, nothing that I can remember as being because shit like that anyway. happened
0: with like with like The Witcher and that. Which remember, like the scenery in The Witcher is very pretty. I know it yeah. didn't make it on the list. Like uh, it actually, it, list. it
1: should have been on the list now that I think about it in retrospect. But it, it wouldn't have it wouldn't have won because there it is have won, no, there are like, those performance issues, particularly like around the swamp and areas where like frame rate drops and stuff like that. And it just and the horse, it, the the retarded horse. Yeah, yeah. Um. <laughs> okay. Um.
0: So the order eighty six paradoxically prettiest game of the year.
1: Yeah. So yeah, I, I have no You're argument dirty. with that. I can't really like I, I couldn't possibly mount uh like an an argument that would uh, against that. So prettiest game, Jack at the ready. Prettiest game of the year, two K fifteen is the order eighteen eighty six i forget how long it is every
0: time me too i
1: expected to go on really been just the sad trombone i expected to go on for like a bar uh shorter but then it just it keeps going and it just keeps getting more glorious anyway we uh... Uh,
2: just uh, on purpose i thought i could go for a short one but there's no way (laughs) (laughs) the pomp and circumstance is far too great
1: uh, a pomp and circumstance level only befitting these awards so, ladies and gentlemen, this show has gone on a lot longer than I anticipated. Uh, Brian, Jack, we uh, we talk quite a lot, don't we?
2: <laughs> well, yeah, basically. There have been about seven ejaculations
1: at this point as well
0: hearts yeah. and my bed sores have bed sores
1: yeah so what we're doing at this point is we're cutting the recording in half we're gonna make this into two shows uh you lucky gets you because the recording session where we did this uh, lasted almost three and a half hours so we're going to spare you having to listen to one marathon session and give you the rest of our game of the year in a few days so um
0: tune in next uh, same bat time same bat channel.
1: I can't, I can't say any better than that. Yeah, tune in soon. Thanks guys.